Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Greetings and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey with your hosts, John Schneider. And I'm Brian Manning. This is our premier podcast. We're excited to bring you this new feature and are looking forward to bringing you everything Pokey Sports related every week. Yeah, this is this first episode here. We're, we're knocking the rust off a little bit, so... Uh bear with us. It'll get better each week. What we're going to try to do is we're going to put out multiple podcasts per week, especially in the football season as we look over the games and we'll do a preview podcast, perhaps a predictions podcast. And we'll do one right after every game as best we can from Lane Stadium where we will go over whatever the Hokies with, with the Hokies loss, win, whatever. And we'll have some griping sessions. It will, we also have uh, occasional interviews. We've got some contacts and some people that we'll talk to. We're going to have some guests. We definitely will be adding some analysis. We have we have other people that other editors that would like to chime in, and uh, you'll be hearing from them too. So, yeah, we got some exciting guests lined up this year as the season wears on. That we'll get we'll get into that more later. But right now, our most important thing to get to is something that was very rare for the Hokies, at least in the Fuente era. We have an official depth chart to talk about. Last year, we did not, and the year before last, we did not. This time, we actually know who he's putting on the field, at least right after the kickoff happens at at Boston College. Uh, This is very important. It's not an easy thing to go over right now because there's a lot of people that are going to be pointing fingers but I'm going to say this. Last year, everybody knows was bad. The consistency wasn't there. The playing consistency wasn't there. We were talking about some young people, some really, really inexperienced players. And you also had a coaching staff that got handed something that I don't think it really could handle very well. I don't think it was set up to handle it. It had J.J. go down with a broken leg. J.J. wasn't the kind of quarterback that Ryan Willis was. They couldn't use Ryan Willis's talents. Their entire game plan for the entire year, that's one reason why we went through the strategic planning articles early in the, in the summer, was to give you an example of the things that you have to do to plan for a season. And that entire plan went out the window with that injury at ODU. Not only did the ODU game cause it to go out 
the window, but so did the so so did losing JJ because JJ and and Ryan Willis are so different in, in skill levels and talent and the way they approach the game. So this year we're going to talk about a depth chart that looks a whole lot like last year's, but there's a lot of different things about this depth chart. Yeah, Willis is. Willis is more of an ideal passer for this offense than Jackson ever was. And I, and I know a lot was made in the offseason about a quarterback competition. I don't know that there was really ever a quarterback competition for the top spot. Now, maybe for that backup spot, I think a little bit of a mild surprise was Hendon Hooker taking the number two spot over Quincy Patterson. That was a bit of a mild surprise as we saw Patterson get a little bit of action last year, more, more or less running the ball. But Hooker – Hooker's issue was accuracy, throwing the football, uh, some of his knowledge of the offense, which has greatly improved, and the coaches must think so too as he's now the primary backup. But outside the quarterback spot, no, no real surprises there at the We're quarterback spot. We're going to see Hooker this year. He's going to get some touches. Yeah, I think if you go back to that that one game last year, I think it was a William & Mary game when he took that 162 yards to the house, and I think fans were like, why can't we see more of that? When, and, and I think that, that that might be in the repertoire um, the other pleasant surprise, and, and Hendon Hooker is, he's a really nice kid, by the way. He, I've talked to his parents, and I've talked to him, and we've talked to him. He is, he is very, very smart. He understands where he is, and, and, and he's, he's taking this as a good thing, not as, not as a negative thing. It's, a ni- it's nice to see the transfer portal, these kids actually fighting for their spots versus – he was willing Leaving. to put it up, and, I, and he got rewarded for it. It's, it. That's to be commanded. That's why you root for him. So what we have now is something that we haven't had before, and this is a very important part because, remember, rule number one in my book, 85% of the running game is the offensive line. 65% of the passing game is the offensive line. And I'm looking at the depth chart, and I'm looking at the depth chart, and I'm seeing an offensive line. Yeah, let's look at the let's look at the size of this offensive line. You got just that right guard, just an example, TJ Jackson, a redshirt junior, 6'6", 359 pounds. His backup is the Hokies top recruit, Doug Naster, six foot six, three hundred and fifteen pounds, and he's a true freshman. Yeah, he's he's still got two years really, you figure at true freshman, he's got two years of development before he hits his optimum. And that could be another 50, 60 pounds. Yeah, and you look at the tackle spots, you see Christian Darasaw, sophomore, 6'5", 311. At the right tackle, Silas Danzi, 6'5", 325. You got the center, Zachariah Hoyt, 6'5", 305. It's it's just a – and Smith at left guard, 6'3", 316. This is an exciting group. I think we all wanted to see Brock Hoffman at center. I think that was a little bit disappointing for all really of us. That was really disappointing, and we won't, we'll, we'll talk about That'll be probably a podcast for another time. Yeah, that's, we'll save that one for we – just, we just hope that Hoyt's uh, snaps are better this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll chalk that up to, to freshman – well, not freshman, but first year, first, first starter jitters. He was really good at guard, and all you had to do was watch him follow Dalton Keene down the field – if step for step and end up in the end zone with Dalton Keene as, as a screen blocker uh, before you realize that there's there's real talent there. And it's just a matter of him calming down and co- concentrating. Well, speaking of Dalton Keene, though, how do you feel about the tight end spots? You got co-number ones, Dalton Keene, James Mitchell. 
that's that's an exciting group. And Nick Gallo. And Nick Gallo is going to be really good. Who's but, turned into a really? I hear he's really a surprise. He's actually they're saying they're they're singing his praises because he's they say that he's really really football smart. He understands the offense. He picked it up very quickly. But what this gives us is Dalton Keene and James Mitchell on the field together. Yeah, and there's so much you can do with uh, Keene, H-back, tight, uh, tight end, fullback. And with Mitchell, you can line him up at the tight end. You can play, line him up in the slot. There's a lot of things to be excited about with those two. Yeah, I, I don't see anything negative on the offense. I don't. At this point, and we'll talk about – We'll get into the running backs here in just a second. I don't see any real holes this year. I see 100% experience across the board in the ones. And I see either experience in the twos or in the case of of somebody uh, like a Nick Gallo or, uh, let me see, uh, you've got... John Harris, who's a redshirt freshman, or Doug Nestor, who's a true freshman. You don't have necessarily, quote unquote, talent, the experience, but you do have that high quality talent and you do have that development. So that's going to be an interesting look. The last thing we're going to take a look at before the break is the running back situation. Nothing in this list says anything more than, okay, we got back to Sean McLeese. We got back Jalen Holston. They seem to be square with what they're doing. And they got a little surprised because this, this young man, Keyshawn King, is supposed to be tearing it up. On Fan Appreciation Day, that was the buzz. Wait till you see Keyshawn King run. He's really fast. He's really shifty. He's really quick to the hole. He's got good maneuverability, and he's got good hands, which means he can catch. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about King, and it's been a while since we could get really excited behind a running back, and, and he could be that guy. And McLeese, McLeese at times has done really well. And um, with Holston, I've heard positive things about him through the offseason. So I, going into his junior season, maybe this is a big year for him. Okay. After the break, we're going to take one more offensive trip down down memory lane and where it's going to go in the future, the wide receivers, the deepest part of both the offense and the defense. Let's take a look at what we see. See you in a second. And we're back. I really want to say something interesting here. Where did we go right? Not wrong, right. We have 12 wide receivers who are who are starting quality wide receivers? Yeah, first you got obviously guys like Trey Turner, Damon Hazelton, Grimsley, Phil Patterson, and, and you got a guy like last year Daryl Simmons out of Philadelphia is another guy people forget about six two two twelve red shirt freshman, and you got the the freshman who has everybody talking, Tavion Robinson, who's a slot guy who who's going to get some time this year. Well, he got, bumped into Hezzy, and the big thing about bumping into Hezzy is Hezzy good. Yeah, and then of course Tavion too could could solve the the punt returner issues we've had in recent years. And then we talk about all these guys. You're not even factoring in the the true freshmen like Elijah Bowick, Jacoby Pinkney, Jaden Peyote. Peyote is going to be a, a is a star. He was the he and Nestor were the top two recruits 
track star. He's going to be special. I think he may need a year to adjust, but that's okay because of the depth you had ahead of him. Yeah, for having a gunslinger quarterback, like and yes, Brian Willis is a gunslinger. I don't, I don't care. Anybody who's going to look at me and go, oh, no, no. Ryan Willis is going to go out there, and he's going to do what Ryan Willis thinks is going to do the most to win a football game. The kid had proved himself time and time again last season that he was going to come out and put everything on the field. Whether you agreed with how he did it or you thought it was brilliant or not, he left every piece of energy on the field. And when you have that feeding this okay let's let's just do the starting we got starting six wide receivers and you and i both know number ones and number twos in a depth chart sort of kind of mean something and sort of kind of don't with Wente, they're very situational so this might be the number one group for this game but next game might be another number one group they might mix it up because Patterson's going to run patterns slightly differently than than anybody he's backing up. And I, at this point, I don't even think the backups are really – I think they just kind of threw them in the box. I think that, that any one of these guys, other than the slot receivers, any one of these wideouts can probably fill in for another wideout. But I'm looking for Damon Hazleton, and I'm looking for uh, Trey Turner – to be the main targets. And I think that's going to open up the targeting for other guys. I think there's going to be a lot of double coverage, a lot of, a lot of, you know, one on and zone behind coverage, a lot of, a lot of safety over keeping an eye on Hazleton or a lot of safety keeping, keeping an eye on Trey Turner. And what we're going to see is Dalton Kane free up underneath or, a, a wheel route to Jalen Holston on, on, like coming out of the backfield. I think you're going to see a three-dimensional football game when we're used to two dimensions. Yeah, lots of exciting things about this receiver core. And you were speaking about Willis. Receivers love a quarterback like Willis, the gunslinger. They that's So he fits well with this group. And he's got the big arm to, to get the ball down on the deep balls to Trey Turner. And this, this offense kind of has like two de facto number one receivers in, when, in Hazleton and – Turner, because both are, will dictate coverage. So, the offense looks pretty special this year if they get the consistent play calling they really deserve to have last year. I'm hoping that Cornelson gets that act put together and that we get a chance to see the throttle let out. Go ahead, light the afterburner, go for it. Stop being afraid. Stop thinking you're going to control the football and control the game by getting a little ahead or getting ahead a touchdown or a score and a half and then grind it out for the rest of the game. That's what beat us in the last year's Boston College game was for whatever reason, Cornelson shut down the offense in the second half. We went into the second half with a seven-point lead, and we, and we ended up getting crushed. We can't do that this year. He's got to realize that he's got to use his offense and the way he's got to use his offense is to score points. Yeah, this isn't the 80s anymore. You don't get ahead and run the ball for three quarters to run the clock out. You keep attacking. That's what Fuente's offense is designed to do, and that's what they should do, whether they're up 48 nothing or, or 17 to 16. Yeah, it's, it, it is 
It is kind of the George Patton offense. You, you attack, you keep attacking, and you don't stop attacking until it's over. So that's the offense we're looking at. Now we got to turn around and look at the – we've got to look at the defense, and that's going to be a, a segment and a half here. The defense – okay, we've got a secondary that looks like it's, it's healed. It's patched back together again. We have Divine Diablo. Okay, the, number one, everybody take a break and breathe. Safeties are the key to the defensive secondary in a Bud Foster defense. Cornerbacks are usually the superstars of the team as far as shutdown corner, blah, because we're all used to Deion Sanders and 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 all, all these other guys, these superstar shutdown corners. Cornerbacks have never been really the keys to that second the Bud Foster secondary. The keys have always been the safety, the rover, and the whip. The safety being a free safety, the rover being a strong safety, and the whip being a nickelback who's also usually played uh, as a strong safety technique. Well, for as exciting as we, we are about the offense, I'm equally as cautious and nervous about the defense, even though we have Bud Foster for the last year, obviously, but there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this defense. There's a lot of reasons to be nervous about this defense. When I, when I first look at this defense, the only position I'm not concerned about is linebacker. I'm, I'm concerned about defensive end, defensive tackle, corner, and I'm not concerned about safety because I see with R Reggie Floyd's in good shape at Rover, you got Devin Hunter backing him up. And at free safety, Devon Diablo, as you mentioned, Diablo is healthy this year. He, Supposedly he's really, really healthy. He, he's ready for it. He has superstar potential. The thing is he's got to stay on the field. That's, that's, that's with anybody, yeah. but if he can stay on the field, he's a high NFL draft choice. He's, he's that talented. Yeah. The freaky deke injuries has got, I mean, he, they just have bitten him really badly. And, and it, it, your heart goes out to him because he gets something going and then bang, he's down again. It's like, ah, where'd yeah. go? As far as corners, I'm, I see the athleticism at the corner spots, but I'm, I'm not going to think about J. Ron Hosley and Brandon Flowers or any of these guys no, yet. No, because because I, Caleb Farley has huge potential. I want to see him tackle this year. His athleticism and ability to cover is insane. But you got to see him take that step forward. I'm excited about him. I'm excited about these guys. But it's a it's – a, I want, to see, I want to see Farley step up because I think he can. But where he fell down is – you're exactly right. Where he literally fell down a couple of times. He lost contain. You have a responsibility in the run, especially as it bounces to the outside in any defense. The cornerback, yes, you'd like to have the strong safety rolling up and covering it. But a lot of times, because the coverage on a run is going to be fairly short, that cornerback is really important. And Farley got got pancaked or chipped or beaten on that one critical play where whoever was running the ball turned it up the field and either gashed us really bad for yardage or gashed us for points. So he's got to figure out how to balance the load and, and keep the ball contained when the ball doesn't get in the air. 
you know, behind him at the right corner, you see Jeremy Webb, who's recovering from a pair of Achilles tears. I think if if Webb was 100%, which they say he is, but I think if they were confident, ideally you would like to see Farley and Webb starting at the two cornerback spots. But at the left corner spot, you see a, a pair, you see a sophomore in Jermaine Waller listed as the with uh, Jav- Javon Quillen, a senior who got his most extensive playing time of the year last year. So uh, that, that's a, that's a position there that's uh, in flux, but there's potential there. So, yeah. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, the 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 two pieces, one that we're sure of, we're pretty sure of, and one that we're kind of shaky on, the linebackers and the defensive line. One position before we head into uh, the linebacker and defensive line spots, I want to talk about the nickel position with Jamari Connor, the sophomore from Jacksonville, taking over with Khalil Ladler. I think we were all surprised last year when Ladler beat out Devin Hunter for the spot. Yeah, that was that was that was a surprise. Well, Ladler played well last year, so the fact that that Connor's taking that position, it tells you that how coaches are really excited about him. Well, I I, I know the last couple of games when when we watched the the UVA game, and we saw him playing in the Marshall game, and then again in the Military Bowl. I know a lot of people give us trouble about the Military Bowl. I think the Military Bowl we almost pulled off the team, but I I saw on that. Day on the it was rainy and and it was it's kind of an evil day in a lot of respects. The team was exhausted. It was it was it was spent, and you could tell by what happened afterward. It was also emotionally spent, and they they didn't like each other anymore, or some of them didn't. It, it, there was there was a lot going on behind the scenes that nobody knew about until just recently, and at this point. You got to look back, and the things you pick out of something like that are the the things that tickle you as being significant. Connor's appearance and his and his good play really started to pick up a lot of interest. We we know how important that that spot is to this defense. So the the, the fact that he can bring athleticism, physicality, and he's he has a grasp on on the entire defense speaks a lot of what they see in Connor and I'm excited about him. So what do you, what do you want to, what do you think about the uh, defensive line? I'm not feeling as positive about that group. Jared Hewitt. I'm happy with Jared Hewitt has really stepped up. He's really started to assert himself. He started to lead. He's a red shirt junior, which means he's an academic senior. So he's been here for a while. He's been in the system from the beginning. He is, um, he, he's he's bigger this year. Uh, he's, he's been working on it. He's strong. I mean, there's no he's there's no seriously yeah, strong. No no questioning his strength and and his size at six one two eighty eight. I wouldn't read too much into that because we all know that for this defense, most most guys are six one two ninety. Yeah, in in this in this defense and Foster's concept of a defensive line and Charlie Wiles and the way they operate, their defensive lines are the old nineteen sixties nineteen seventies defensive lines. They, which is where they learn their football. They like defensive linemen who are more maneuverable, who are supposedly supposed to do a job that's more than just filling holes. You get the big guy, the big nose tackle in the middle, and I was a nose tackle, big nose tackle in the middle. What happens is, 
Back now in one position before we head into uh, the linebacker and defensive line spots, I want to talk about the nickel position with Jamari Connor, the sophomore from Jacksonville, taking over with Khalil Ladler. I think we were all surprised last year when Ladler beat out Devin Hunter for the spot. Yeah, that was that was that was a surprise. Well, Ladler played well last year, so the fact that that Connor's taking that position, it tells you that how coaches are really excited about him. Well, I, I know the last couple of games when when we watched the, the UVA game and we saw him playing in the Marshall game and then again in the Military Bowl. I know a lot of people give us trouble about the Military Bowl. I think the Military Bowl, we almost pulled off the team, but I, I saw on that day, on the it was rainy and and it was it's kind of an evil day in a lot of respects. The team was exhausted. It was it was it was spent. And you could tell by what happened afterward, it was also emotionally spent. And they, they didn't like each other anymore, or some of them didn't. It, it, there, was, there was a lot going on behind the scenes that nobody knew about until just recently. And at this point, you got to look back, and the things you pick out of something like that are the, the things that tickle you as being significant. Connor's appearance and his, and his good play really started to pick up a lot of interest. We, we know how important that, that spot is to this defense. So the, the, the fact that he can bring athleticism, physicality, and he's, he has a grasp on, on the entire defense speaks a lot of what they see in Connor. And I'm excited about him. So what do you, what do you want to, what do you think about the uh, defensive line? I'm not feeling as positive about okay. that group. Jared Hewitt, I'm happy with. Jared Hewitt has really stepped up. He's really started to assert himself. He started to lead. He's a redshirt junior, which means he's an academic senior. So he's been here for a while. He's been in the system from the beginning. He is um, he, he's he's bigger this year. Uh, he's, he's been working on it. He's strong. I mean, there's no he there's no seriously yeah, strong. No no questioning his strength and and his size at six one two eighty eight. I wouldn't read too much into that because we all know that. For this defense, most most guys are six one two nine. Yeah, in, in this in this defense, in, in Foster's concept of a defensive line, and Charlie Wiles and the way they operate, their defensive lines are the old nineteen sixties nineteen seventies defensive lines. They, which is where they learn their football. They like defensive linemen who are more maneuverable, who are supposedly supposed to do a job that's more than just filling holes. You get the big guy, the big nose tackle in the middle, and I was a nose tackle, big nose tackle in the middle. What happens is is you, you end up with this big guy, and all he's doing is filling a gap or two gaps. He might be playing a two-gap technique, and all he's doing is, is his job is to stuff up the, where the hole goes. Well, that works only so much when – most of these teams are playing zone runs now. There's the, the old run to a hole isn't happening anymore. That doesn't work the same way. So Hewitt gives them an opportunity to have somebody who's a little more maneuverable. He's big enough and he's strong enough to control what's going on around him and attack a particular gap. But he's also completely capable of shutting down a run you know, the middle, you know, the the dive goes away or becomes insignificant. Yeah, I think uh, we look at behind him. You have two true freshmen. I, I don't. I never get excited about 
true freshman playing on the defensive line unless it's a unless it's a pass rusher that just go get the quarterback, which it's a little easier for those guys. But as far as the defensive tackle position, you've got you got Narell Pollard and you got Mario Kendricks. Both are true freshmen. I've heard great things about both of them this year, and and, and hopefully we they we see them and the depth is great there. But it is a bit of a concern. And at the uh, the defensive tackle spot, you've got Deshaun Crawford, a junior JUCO transfer, and you got behind him is Rob Porche, who's a redshirt sophomore, obviously the son of Robert Porche, longtime NFL star. We've we seen Porche come in as a defensive end. They transitioned to tackle. I've heard conflicting reports about how he's taken to that, but he has a, he has the athleticism and the he has solid size athleticism and strength to do a good job there. And then I think the one defensive another defensive tackle we should get excited about is, is a freshman Josh Fuga, one of the lower ranked recruits we didn't hear a lot about, six two, three oh eight. There's I have I'm really excited about him, seeing what he can do this year, if he can impact the depth chart this year. It's a it's a it's a group that's there's questions about this group, but I don't think it's as I'm not as concerned about the defensive tackle group as I am about the defensive end group at this point. And that's a, that's a story right there that uh, we're, we're, we're used to good defensive end play here, and uh, and I'm a little concerned about that group right now. Okay, I think Belmar has the hang of it. I think he's a little light. But uh, Taiwan Garbett, he might actually be the surprise of the season this year. I, I'm actually – Garbett's one player I'm excited about. I, I, you know, going back and watching him in high school, I saw what – I saw what a lot of people saw in him. A 6'1", 238, I, that, that sounds like, oh, that's small, but that's what we're used to here as a defense, as a pass rusher. I'm, it's how I'm, – I'm excited about Garbett. Belmar, I just I, – I I hope that he the light comes on for him this year. I, I think one guy behind Belmar is Eli Adams, an undersized redshirt freshman from South Carolina. That kid could flat out get after the pass, or that, that could be – to me, that could be the real surprise on the defensive yeah. line is Adams and, and how he could impact the depth well, chart. Okay, now, the one thing for our last few minutes here with everybody for this podcast is uh, the one I think very few people are worried about. that It's the linebacker position. You have Rayshard Ashby and Dax Hollifield, both of whom came onto the scene last season and practically saved whatever was left of the defense. Ashby brought the skill and the stick to and the sticky arms and hands and the good head. So he brought some experience to the table. He was a good tackler, arguably the best tackler on the, on, the, on the team last year. But he seemed to be energized by the appearance of this upstart massive freshman and i mean this dax hollifield if you've ever seen him on the field face to face the kids got telephone poles for legs it's amazing but it wasn't just that it wasn't his physical abilities it was his enthusiasm and his energy it seemed to pick ashby up where ashby had started to kind of flag a little bit and get a little you know like because the, the whole defense started to flag Hollyfield came in and Ashby came in and the two of them together just seemed to to instinctively understand where the other guy needed to be. Yeah, as excited as we are about those two guys, Ashby and Hollyfield, I, and I know we all are. Dax is probably a lot of people's favorite player, but 
look look who's behind both guys with, with Ashby. You've got Kashawn Artis. That kid should be would be starting any other time. I'm excited about him. And then you, then you have Dylan Rivers who played yeah. the backer spot. Yeah, and so so with those four guys, you could have actually. I was looking at his stats. Artis might be quick enough to use as a whip, a heavy whip, if he wants to go to that dime defense where he can actually back Artis off and use him in in sort of a mid-grade whip position, which is the whip is basically a will linebacker in the old-fashioned in the old fashioned defenses. So, yeah, that the, 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 the defense is a worry this year, but yeah. it's not a horrible worry. It's just a wait-and-see worry. Well, the, the fact that we don't have a schedule that's too daunting is probably a little bit of a – yeah, and, and okay, we're opening against Boston College, and you know, and I know, and we'll go through this in the game preview in the next podcast, you know and I know, Boston College's offense is A.J. Dillon. How is this defense going to handle A.J. Dillon? We're going to tackle that in the next podcast, and that kind of concludes this podcast. We're really happy for that you joined us. And we're really happy to be here. This has been an exciting project, and I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, event for the year. And I call it an event for a reason because this is special. Yep, I appreciate everybody listening on the first episode. Stick with us, spread the word, and they'll keep getting better. Go Hokies! Go Hokies!